This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank, the International Leaders Summit, Lancer Broadcasting Corporation, and the Pledge Radio in Michigan. I'm Joel Sami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sartorj, co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. We are delighted to have Emil Hirsch return on America's Roundtable. Emil Hirsch is a shareholder in the Washington, D.C. office of Carlton Field. Mr. Hirsch's national practice focuses on health care and commercial litigation, and he is known as one of the top-rated business litigation attorneys in Washington, D.C. We would like to clearly communicate the following disclaimer. Mr. Emil Hirsch is not providing any legal advice to our listening audience. We are delighted to be joined by Emil Hirsch at America's Roundtable. Welcome, Mr. Hirsch. Thank you. The Founding Fathers understood the importance that protection of private property rights has on individual freedom and prosperity. When people are free to use the fruits of their labor to acquire, accumulate, use, and dispose of their property, they are able to exercise their freedom, prosper, and have the economic freedom, which is a prerequisite for political freedom. And here lies the defining difference between communism slash socialism, which is devoid of protection of private property rights and the rule of law, and capitalism, market economy, which is founded on the rule of law and protection of property rights. The U.S. Constitution protects property rights through the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment. The Fifth Amendment says, I quote, Nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. The 14th Amendment says, I quote, Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of laws. Mr. Hirsch, in light of the coronavirus pandemic, most states have issued orders mandating non-essential businesses to close and non-essential workers to stay home. This regulation reduces the value of one's property. Will states be obliged to pay just compensation in these circumstances of forced closures? That is uh, unfortunately not a, a simple uh, question to answer. Clearly, the 14th Amendment as, uh, to the U.S. Constitution, as you've uh, indicated, is uh, uh, applicable uh, to what states, to what uh, municipalities and other uh, non-federal uh, government actors do through these uh, stop work uh, and shelter-at-home uh, measures. However... The reason it is not simple is is because the government has a defense to when challenged on these actions, and the defense that the government will will use first and foremost is that it is acting pursuant to its police power to provide for the health and welfare of the greater society or the population at large and will try to justify these actions as police power uh, actions. Police power actions 
or given a great deal of scope and deference when there are emergencies like wartime, drought, massive flooding, epidemics, and pandemics. So uh, because there is this defense that can be anticipated, it, the, it is not a foregone conclusion that every small business or the typical small business in America uh, will, uh, at the end of the day, receive compensation, especially when the business has not been taken or commandeered. And by that, I mean that the government has not gone inside and appropriated the business. It has not seized the business. It has not occupied the property. The difference between, you mentioning actually, between possessory taking and regulatory taking. Uh, so in case of regulatory takings in the past, uh, there were cases of just compensation being paid to businesses. Uh, yes. The, uh, there is this concept, uh, it's rather well developed in law, of a regulatory t- taking, where the government does not enter one's property, it does not directly put troops on it, or government officials, uh, or government employees to work on it. So it's not a possessory taking, but it's a, it's a temporary taking in, because it is regulating in the face of a, of a pandemic. Now, whether the those cases that will be brought will result in compensation or not will depend on whether the government has left the property owner with any viable economic use or not. Okay, If there is no viable economic use left during the emergency or while the, the measure is enforced, then it is conceivable that there will be a court ruling that the taking was really a regulatory one and therefore compensation has to be paid. Looking through the past precedents and uh, and uh, court decisions when they were adjudicating cases similar to this, there is something called balancing test. Yes. Would you kindly share that concept with us, and how would that apply to this current crisis? Okay. The balancing test is a test that has been devised to uh, determine whether what is alleged to be a regulatory taking is compensable. And the key U.S. Supreme Court case on that is a 1978 case called the Penn Penn Central Transportation Company versus New York City. Uh, This is a case that the property owner lost. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the city. And there is a balancing test that comes out of this holding by the U.S. Supreme Court, and it focuses primarily on what I alluded to earlier, whether there is, even after the alleged taking, any viable economic use that the property owner retains after the so-called regulatory taking. If the answer to that question is that he or she retains a a viable economic use, then no compensation is awarded. But on the other hand, if there is no viable economic use left, then under this balancing test, compensation applies. When we, we talk about just compensation, how would you define the just compensation 
to be really fair and, and just, not to be underpaid? Okay, that is a, a very good question, and, and it's a good question that's going to acquire a huge amount of significance uh, in litigation and in, in uh, legal actions uh, that will be spawned by this pandemic crisis. The Constitution in uh, the Fifth Amendment uh, calls for just compensation. The Fifth Amendment just compensation clause has been interpreted to apply to the states and to municipalities and, uh, and not federal actors. So the standard is also just compensation. It's a very simple test to apply when the government does a direct possessory taking. When it, when it comes, seizes the property under eminent domain, very simple. There is a difference. What, what you look at is the deprivation of fair market value. If the government takes, uh, occupies the property and then leaves it, then it has to pay just compensation also based on market value, so, but there it's not going to be the fair market value at which the property would sell, but it's the fair market value at which the property would be leased, or the fair rental value of property. Now, where it gets more complicated is in situations like we're facing now. Let's suppose the, the government were to commandeer an entire business. Which has happened sometimes. In World War II, there was a case that went to the U.S. Supreme Court where the government commandeered a, an entire laundry facility and uh, took it over and uh, basically laundered for service people their clothing, uniforms, and so forth. In a situation like that, where the government takes a whole viable business together uh, over, you, you can see that this fair market value doesn't really work because. There you're taking a going concern. You're not just taking in the use of the of the property. You're taking over a whole business, and you're interrupting the ability of the owner's investment to be put into to, to fair use. So there the compensation has to be something different. It would have to be going concern value. Now, similarly, let's suppose the government were to take over a property uh, and use it as a morgue because of the unfortunately high number of deaths we've had in places like New York City, as an example. Government takes it over for 90 days and then says that, okay, fine, we'll issue you a check for the fair rental value of the property during this period of time. But what that doesn't take into account as an element of fairness is the fact that the property value has been further damaged because of the stigma of what the property has been used for while it was commandeered by the government for public service or public use. So there would have to be an element of compensation that is paid that is attributable to the fact that the rental value of the property or, the, or even the fair market value of the property has been diminished because of the, the reputational injury that's been presented here. So what I'm saying is that the, in a time of crisis like this, the courts will have to be creative, and property owners and their advisors and lawyers will have to be very creative to make sure that the, in their analysis of what they've really lost, they capture all elements of, of value, because it is not as simple and cookie-cutter as a check for uh, rental value or a check for the real uh, market value of the property. 
Society. Mr. Hirsch, from your careful observation during this coronavirus pandemic, have you noticed any specific state government within the United States pushing the envelope and trampling on the protection of property rights? I cannot uh, honestly single out uh, any This is an unprecedented situation with the coronavirus spread, and it is an impulse to centralize power has happened in the past, and it's a byproduct to have a viola- violation of people's rights. We, we hope and trust that this is not going to last for long and that we will be able to get back to normal with the same very strong protection of private property rights and adjudications that are going to remedy all abuses if they happened in the meantime. That is uh, correct, that the remediation will take a a longer time. Well, thank you so much indeed, uh, Mr. Emil Hirsch, for joining us on America's Roundtable. Emil Hirsch is a shareholder in the Washington, D.C. office of Carlton Fields, and uh, we would like to clearly communicate the following disclaimer, that Mr. Hirsch has not provided any legal advice to our listening audience. Thank you, Mr. Hirsch. You are very welcome. Happy to be with you. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. America's Roundtable Radio from Washington, D.C. is an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank, the International Leaders Summit, in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and the Pledge Radio in Michigan. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. At America's Roundtable and International Leaders Summit, we thank Lancer Broadcasting and the Pledge for their partnership. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter at iLeadersSummit and at AmericasRT, on Facebook, International Leaders Summit, and America's Roundtable. Visit our website, iLeadersSummit.org.